Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ash Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM from Los Angeles, California. All right, every week, we've been doing this now for over seven years. You have any little clapping there? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we did this last week, though. We, we, we clapped and applauded for you already, right? It's the ego thing, you know. This is old. This is old news, right, Tracy? Never enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to feed the ego, and actually, ego has an E. Why don't we ever do that for the E's, huh? All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, congratulations. Thank you. So every week we have a show, one to two p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursdays, or you can listen to us on a podcast, and we either interview a person to teach something about business, or we may just learn a story about somebody that was successful in business and what they did. And hopefully we can either A, learn how to on a specific subject, or we can also learn about how somebody made it and what they did and try to get those success stories and using those success stories help you to succeed. But the show is called Ask Brian. It's spelled B-R-I-E-N. Nobody understands why it's Brian, but even worse than that, people don't understand why there's an E in Brian. But we have a residential expert. Tracy, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. And I have a funny story that goes with this. So just walk with me on this. So yesterday I was interviewed on a podcast and they read my bio. And so the host of the podcast was reading my bio. And then he gets to co-host of the Ask Brian radio show. And then he goes, oh, Brian spelled wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And so it was like a reflex. I literally went into explaining to him why Brian was spelled with an E. Although, Jen, I have to tell you, I did leave out the engineer part just for the sake of that podcast interview because it didn't really make a lot of sense. But That's okay. in this in this case, <laughs> she won't take it personally. The number one, but don't take it personally because in this case, the number one E is because of our engineer, right? Aww, yes. Thank you. <laughs> but I had an opportunity outside of this forum to literally let him know that Ask Brian with an E was not spelled wrong because we are the radio show and podcast for entrepreneurs. And that's what we do. And speaking of experts, that is really the absolute core foundation of our show is the amazing access that we have to experts that come on the Ask Brian show including our guest today, which I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to have with her today. And experts are interesting characters because by definition, to qualify, so to speak, as an expert, you would need to have a minimum of 10,000 hours in your designated field or industry business category. And that math is based on working approximately 40 hours a week over the course of 50, 52 weeks. And that would take you along the lines of like five years. But come on, like what expert have we ever had on this show that ever worked a 40 hours, especially during the time when their business was a startup? 
And uh, so really that range probably is the closer to like the three-year range. But whatever it takes and how long it takes, you never have to question the level of expertise on the Ask Brian radio show because we have amazing experts. And that usually means that we get a lot of enthusiasm around this show, right? <laughs> and we're very, very, very excited. I try to interrupt them. It didn't work. I know. It was like way, way breaking in that new microphone. Yeah. Well, that's the story for another day. And also that leads me to another E that we have, which I have empathy for our engineer because of your level of excitement. What is empathy? Exactly. I said, I have empathy. I did not say you had empathy because you never have empathy. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, I don't even want to spend another minute on this because we have such an exciting guest with an E. But there is one E that we like to save best for last, in my opinion. Well, before that, we do have to mention that this show is educational. We are the Sesame Street for business. So, oh, yeah, well, with the emphasis on the Sesame Street, right? Yeah. Hey, I look like Big Bird. What can, what can I say? Well, I'm Cookie Monster. <laughs> All right. Well, say hello to Bert. Anyway, I know that when I watched the movie Grease, you know, there's that scene in there, and they always say, Grease Lightning is, and Tracy always knows the answer Grease Lightning is electrifying, just like the host of the Ask Brian radio show. Where's the, no applause? Okay. Okay, yeah. In in my opinion, that's basically what what Jen said. In your opinion, you're electrifying. Okay, well, I'll take it. In his world, yeah. (laughs) I have a very, very big, big world in my big, big head (laughs) with my big, big ego. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, we need to get to our guest because our guest is going... How did I get hooked into this, and why am I here, and what am I doing now? So, Jody, you're still there? Yes, I am. How entertaining is this? No wonder you're asked Brian with an E. Definitely entertaining. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Jody, so people don't know too much about you, and so the first thing they want to know is, you know, give us your background. I know you have a company. That's what most of the show is going to be about, but I just want to let the audience know who you are, and so for that, we want to quickly go over your, your prior background before you got into the current business that you're in right now, which is marketing and advertising. Yeah. I, well, drum roll, please, as I reveal my prior background, it's uh, as a paramedic and firefighter. So <laughs> right, sort of out of left field there. So for 13 years, I was a paramedic and firefighter, was actually the lead paramedic, the only full-time female at the, the company that I was at for the longest time and also trained all of our new people coming in. I did that while I was a single mom to a young boy. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, I went to fire academy and was the top graduate in my class and joined the fire department. So um, you really can't send anything my way that scares me or stresses me out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave my lighter Um, on. (laughs) Anyway, and so you did that for over 13 years, and then you decided to this new business venture that you have. And I'm just trying to figure out what made you decide to leave that area? I mean, was it too exciting for you? I mean, what was the the issue? It was way too exciting. Um, And actually at the 
at 30 years old, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and also developed a second autoimmune disorder. Thankfully, I am in full remission and have zero signs of that whatsoever at this point. But at 30 years old, and I had been in my career for quite some time, and I couldn't do it anymore. It just I was more of a liability than anything and had to find a different path forward. So I really was looking at the, you know, fire and EMS as my lifelong career. I really had no idea what was next. And I did dabble in some other things before I launched my business. I did some commercial insurance and, you know, other sales. I actually delivered as a FedEx driver for a while. Um, (laughs) So I did a few things before deciding to launch my own business. And I started out as like just a general virtual assistant and learned Infusionsoft for entrepreneurs listening. Most of you know it as Keep now. Infusionsoft or Keith, it's a, it's a CRM, a marketing tool, and it's kind of complicated. So in fact, some people call it Confusionsoft. And so I was able to command a high dollar for my clients that I was supporting, which is awesome. I uh, replaced my full-time income in just two months and then hired a business coach and skilled from there, decided to focus on on marketing, and then decided to focus on like done-for-you marketing. So doing Facebook ads and sales funnels, copywriting. And I had a, a business partner at one point where we scaled to, you know, seven figures in revenue and just amazing, amazing venture to get to the point where I'm at now. I did restart, like relaunch my own solo business in June of 2022. And here I am today with a, a fantastic business and a great roster of clients that I help with their their businesses using Facebook ads and funnels. So uh, just have one more thing and then we're going to go right into it. And that is, how do you get your first customer? My first client, let's see, simply by posting on Facebook, like, this is what I do. Does anybody need help? Like, I had no idea what I was doing at that point, but I got my first customer. Wow. How long did that take? Literally within a week after launching my business, I had my first customer. Wow. So That was just Facebook ad or post. It was just a post to like my friends because I happened to already know, you know, some business owners and stuff. So I did start by building out some clientele of local business owners that I already knew, had some relationships with, and then found this huge online world of, you know, virtual businesses, right? All these, you know, online coaches and consultants and course creators and people who are selling VIP days and books and things like that. Like it, it's the the online world is insanely huge. I, I don't think we can even wrap our heads around it because like I know some online who I think are like online influencers that have, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people following them. And, you know, I've paid them tens of thousands of dollars to coach me. And then I asked someone, hey, have you heard of this person? They're like, no, I've never heard of that person. Like, how do you not know this person? It just tells me that the world of online business is massive. Wow. So let's dive into the business that you have. And how did you learn to know? Was it all through coaching that you learned Facebook advertising and marketing? Or how did you learn that process? Oh, man. Well, to understand how I work, know that I... Uh, even as a paramedic, it's sort of trial by fire, right? It's like, you got to make things work. I work very well under pressure. And I wouldn't say that I ever 
oversold myself and, and like pretended like I knew something, but I did have a client say like, Hey, I want to run Facebook ads. Have you ever done that? And I was like, no, I haven't, but I'd be willing to give it a try. And she's like, okay, well, you know, why don't you, you know, just try it with $5 a day or whatever. And so it was literally just a client that wanted it to happen. And I was like, sure, I'll try it. And as I started doing it, I realized it was very data driven. And that really fired me up. I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now of how data driven I am. I love the feedback of data. And I'm very like, you know, the facts are what matter, not how it feels. And so when it comes to marketing and analyzing how something's doing, it really truly is all about the data and the facts. And then we let that data tell us a story about what's working and what's not. So yeah, hopefully I answered your question there. <laughs> that's that's fine. I want to get more into, you know, so if somebody decides, hey, what, you know what, I've got uh, a new product, it's called a widget. And I got this widget and I have a Facebook account at widget.com. Uh, I have a website and now I'm trying to sell widgets. Okay. How do you start a campaign and what legwork do you need to do to have a campaign that can be successful? Yeah. So basically... It all boils down to the way to make money online is to create an offer and send traffic to it. Now, the types of offers can be physical products. It can be, you know, high ticket services like VIP days or one-on-one coaching or masterminds. It can be group programs. It can be, you know, online courses, um, any of those things. And then sending traffic to it means you either post all the time organically on your Facebook and Instagram or you get other people to send an email to their list promoting your thing or you run Facebook ads. And so if it were, if it were me wanting to sell this widget, first of all, I would want to create some sort of way to have a really great customer average order value. So either I'm selling a high ticket thing and I'm going to use like a webinar to sell the high ticket thing, the high ticket widget, or I'm going to have a low ticket widget that I'm going to send traffic straight to that. So it, how you sell the thing depends on what it is and how much it costs. And then from there, it, it's just a whole strategy of like creating some Facebook ads with some of your organic posts or things that build no like and trust and then retargeting those people with some ads to get them to come buy your thing or opt in for your free lead magnet or something like that. And then, you know, your marketing on the back end can sell your widget. So it's, not a black and white answer there. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't think so. So I'm always confused because people say, oh, $5 a day. And I'm thinking that, you know, unless you're selling a product that's a dollar or something, I mean, I'm just trying to think how $5 a day is going to get you any traffic and to build up enough of an audience where people are going to buy that widget. Yeah. Most of the time when people are spending $5 a day on Facebook ads, it's typically for some sort of a visibility or audience building campaign. They're likely promoting a video, trying to get people to watch it, and then retargeting them from there. Or if they're not retargeting them, sometimes it's literally an anomaly. And it's sometimes you, you put $5 a day out there to get somebody to watch a video, and then you get people to buy. Some things happen like that. It's not typical, though, that it's, that it's not a typical result whatsoever. What's a typical budget that you would need? I'm not talking about the paying for the management, but typical ad budget you would need on Facebook with this new widget product that you've got selling. So that also depends on how quickly you want to see results. 
So when we're working with clients, our minimum budget is $3,000 a month. And that gives us enough ad spend per day to actually work with in testing audiences, testing messaging angles, testing our creative, and then get some data back in order to say, this is working and this is not working. Let's do more of this and less of that. If we have too little ad budget, it takes too long to get that data back. And when you're paying for someone to do your Facebook ads for you, it really doesn't make sense to prolong that data buying time because, you know, let's say I'm we're on a 90-day retainer, right? I don't want to take 60 days in order to get enough data to decide like, okay, let's head in this direction now or this is working and then we only have 30 days to implement like what's working. There's not going to be a return on investment at that point. So if we can have a higher budget out the gate and get that data back faster, then we can do more of what's working and change what's not. So again, super not black and white answer. <laughs> so, you know, with Google, it's PPC. And so you know how much the keywords are, right? With Facebook, uh-huh. and you've got, you know, $3,000 ad budget, it's going to differ. How does it differ in terms of, of that? You know, like it's not PPC, it's not pay-per-click. So how do they differentiate yeah. that $3,000? Yeah. So with Google, yep, you do have, you're paying per click with Facebook. You actually have different objectives that you can choose from. There's video views objectives, engagement objectives. Most of the time for our clients, we're running a conversion objective. So we want somebody to not only click, but also sign up for the thing on the next page. And so Facebook's algorithm is actually finding those people that are most likely to take that step that we're asking them to do and put the ads in front of them. That being said, we do calculate, you know, cost per click and we do calculate, you know, our cost per impression or CPM cost per mill. And that's an interesting way to also measure data and understand how much it's costing for your ad to get in front of your ideal audience. So (laughs) I'm excited to continue this conversation because I mean, obviously the mission that you have with your marketing company is to grow profitable online businesses. So let's get, you know, let's continue this tactical aspect of the conversation. Can you walk us through like the, in a way, let's go for almost a step-by-step process. So Who's your target, the client, the client that is like your perfect avatar? And then once they start working with you, can you walk us through the steps of how they get started and how you work with them? Absolutely. So my target audience is the online coaches, course creators, consultants, and service providers who are already doing amazing things, maybe with their organic traffic, or they may have already been doing Facebook ads. This isn't their last dollars to be spent on Facebook ads, right? Like if you're coming to me saying, you know, yep, I've got the money, but if I'm not profitable within 30 days, then, you know, I've lost everything. I've shut down my business. Like that's not ideal. Um, basically no, no Hail Marys. <laughs> right. Yes. And that's Facebook ads should never be your Hail Mary. It should be basically pouring rocket fuel on a fire that's already burning. Not to play on the firefighting thing. Was that pun intended? Because it was a good one. <laughs> it wasn't, but I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket for future years. <laughs> so that's my ideal target audience is, you know, they know their numbers. They know that they're already profitable and they've got a decent operating budget. 
to be able to run Facebook ads or they're already running Facebook ads. In fact, a lot of our clients are coming from other agencies who have kind of done them dirty. They don't give good reporting. They're not transparent about their numbers or they're lazy and they don't test enough. They don't optimize enough and they're just getting lackluster results. So typically, you know, my ideal client is somebody who's probably already done some Facebook ads or they're, they're ready to do that because they've been successful in other areas. For example, we just got started this month with a book writing coach and she has grown a, a multiple six figure business simply from her organic posting. And so again, it's like, you know, boosting that to the next level by simply using intentional paid traffic rather than just, you know, putting it out on social and hoping something sticks. She's done a great job of it, but we're going to take it to the next level. So when we get started with a new client, we have to really understand what their goals are. So if you say, you know, I want to sell 100 widgets over the next 30 days. Okay, great. Let's reverse engineer that to help understand what your ad budget is going to need to be in order to hit that goal. So we've got a lot of data from the online business industry that we can set benchmarks based on what's average. So for example, if you're, you know, an online coach and you've got a lead magnet, like a PDF opt-in, that landing page should be converting at 20%. So we take those average standard, like the uh, industry standard averages. We use that to reverse engineer what your ideal goal is and tell you what your marketing budget should be or what your Facebook ad budget should be. And then we, we just start testing with the ads uh, using that budget broken down into like an average daily spend. Um, now, before any ads go live, we map out all of the different like copy hooks and angles. So, you know, understanding what your, what your ideal client's pain points are, what their ideal result is, how you get them there. We do a deep dive into understanding your messaging so that we can write really good Facebook ad copy. And then we also do all of the creatives. We outline video scripts and we do all of the editing and everything there too. So we get everything ready to go for the Facebook ads. We make sure that all of your pages that we're sending traffic to are audited, their conversion audited and compliance audited to make sure that they hit Facebook standards. And then we we go live and we turn on the traffic and it's really like, you know, opening up a faucet and seeing what happens. We get that data, we report it back, we say this is what's happening and here's our plan to, you know, fix it or optimize it or make it work even better. Yeah, so that's it in a nutshell. Well, and I know that there's been so many changes. I mean, I feel like every day there's there's new changes in terms of algorithms and what's working and, you know, videos are working better than static graphics and mm-hmm. text is better than not, you know, there's all kinds of, of recommendations about the types of ads that are converting. What types of ads are you seeing on trend right now that are really getting those conversions back to lead gen opt-ins and things like that? That's such a great question. And I, you might hate my answer. (laughs) Everything is worth testing, in my opinion. So what's working in one account might not be what's working in another account. So the graphics with the text only, they work really well in this account that, that works for like pregnancy fitness. Videos are always favored by the algorithm because people that are that are scrolling tend to, you know, they tend to watch a video if you have a good hook that makes them stop the scroll. So that's there's kind of a an asterisk or a caveat to, to every single different form of creative because it depends on the account, 
depends on your audience and it depends on the execution of that type of creative because it may work well in someone else's account because they executed it very well with the right messaging. But then we try it in another account and it doesn't have the right messaging. It just doesn't hit the same for that audience. So it's a constant like refresh of creatives and doing more of what's working. In fact, when we find something that's working, we take that and make like, you know, four or five different variations of that. So let's say it is a graphic with a yellow background, we'll go take that and make the graphic with a pink background and a blue background and just see, you know, can we get more success by doing more of what's working, you know, just slight variations because it'll hit different people just by making that slight variation. Another thing that's working really, really well is something newer that Facebook rolled out and it's called the Advantage Plus. And it really does give the range over to Facebook in a lot of ways because there's Advantage Plus targeting and Advantage Plus creatives where you basically, it's wide open and you let the algorithm bring in the right people. And the only way that that's going to happen is if your messaging is really spot on. So I've got a whole creative team, a creative director, copywriter, and then graphic designer, video editor. And so it's such a great combination because we end up getting really solid messaging. And so this Advantage Plus is really working for a lot of our client accounts because Facebook is finding, the algorithm is finding the right people based on the messaging. So it's just working really well to bring down those costs. So now I want to throw a curveball into our process because you were talking, yeah, I I don't want to pivot. I want a curveball instead. (laughs) I think it's a breaking pitch, but I'm a baseball fan. Go ahead. Well, it's not a breaking point. No, we're not doing that. But it's more, so it's, you know, I'm in the content creation space as the owner of producer podcasts, as we know. And there's, I'm really inundated right now with a lot of questions around AI and how AI is playing a part in, in the content creation and business owners' content creation. So I'm curious how that has impacted. You mentioned you have an entire team that is working with your ad strategy and messaging and how important messaging is to the algorithm. How is AI having influence on that? Mm, That's so interesting. So before I brought on a creative team, before my agency grew, I was leveraging AI using specifically ChatGPT to help me brainstorm like ad copy hooks and angles. And it didn't suck. Like it was working okay. It just simply got to the point where it's like, okay, I think we can do better than this. And there's still a lot of like, times where AI has errors and, you know, completely misses the point. And it was getting, it was just too much of a time suck for me to do it. So I handed it over to, you know, my creative director. That being said, also inside of Facebook, they now are like, you put in a piece of ad copy and it will suggest other AI generated pieces of copy. It will give you other options. They're just slight variations of what you put in there. And that's very, very interesting to me. In one account, I went ahead and used it. And we got our cost per lead for this account from $10 down to $2.50. And some of that is by using the AI-generated Facebook ad copy inside of Facebook. So take that for what it's worth, man. (laughs) Wow. That's interesting because I I didn't think of it in a way that it could actually be advantageous to lower the cost involved. Because if you think about it, it's, your initial comment was that the messaging is what is getting spot on conversions. 
And if it's the right messaging yeah. and you're doing the A-B testing, then the conversions are, you're being able to track them. And then if they, if it's their AI inside the platform serving up suggestions, it's got to be based on what their algorithms are recognizing. So that is fascinating to me. And then yeah. the win-win is that the customer has a lower cost per, is it cost per click? I want to make sure I'm using the right language. In this specific account, it's a lower cost per lead. Cost per lead, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that. So, what are some of the other innovative things that are happening in the paid advertising space? And is do you work solely with Facebook, or do you expand into other social media platforms? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have also so Facebook and Instagram are kind of one and the same. When you advertise on their their platform Meta, it now goes it goes to Facebook and Instagram. So we we do that, and then we've also provided YouTube ads, Google ads, and TikTok ads. I haven't dove into like Snapchat or anything like that, but TikTok ads are super fun. I mean, obviously super video heavy creative, um, almost exclusively like videos. So it's taking a lot of production on the back end for, you know, our team of, of producing videos for clients. And I think it's, in my opinion, TikTok advertising is still very new and not everybody is used to purchasing things on TikTok, especially in like the coaching course creator sort of space. So, you know, there's like, you know, those leggings that went viral on TikTok and everybody's buying those. But as far as selling coaching and consulting and higher ticket things on on TikTok, I haven't really seen that take off yet. Honestly, it's been one of the fastest time was it's got this episode has gone by so fast. I think it's because it's been chock full of such amazing information. And based on that, I just know that our audience is going to absolutely want to continue this conversation with you, Jody. So what is the best way for people to reach out to you, connect with you if they're interested in working with you, or just have a consultation about their possibilities of growing their business through Facebook and Instagram ads? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jody underscore Sidini. That's J-O-D-I underscore Sidini, S-O-D-I-N-I. My website is SidiniMarketing.com. And there is a contact page there where you can just fill out a short form, kind of tell me where you're at in your business and why you're interested in doing Facebook ads and then book a call with me. I love that. And I just know that that's going to happen because you're so full of really amazing knowledge. And for those of you who want to maybe even just listen to this episode of the Ask Brian Radio Show again to take better notes or just listen to some of the really tactical tips that Jody provided, don't forget that this episode is re-released as a podcast. And that is, means that you can download it at your leisure, make notes at your leisure. And then the links to Jody's website and contact will be in the show notes. And that is the Ask Brian podcast. And of course, it's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N podcast. And you can find it wherever you find your favorite podcast. And that includes Apple, Spotify, iHeart, all the platforms, all the places. Just check out the podcast and subscribe to it so you can keep getting amazing episodes like the show we did today. Super, super. Jody, we have a couple of questions here. And the first question is, try to list vital things, the most important thing you think people need to do if they're going to start an ad campaign on Facebook. Uh, the first thing that you need to do is know your numbers. 
You need to know where you're currently at with your numbers and your conversions and then where you want to be. Those are super, super important metrics to understand because if you, if your current metrics are not up to par, it's just going to make a, a bad thing worse <laughs> if you send traffic, like Facebook paid ads traffic to it. Whereas if your numbers are looking good, it's only going to amplify what's working by sending paid Facebook ads traffic to it. So understanding your numbers is probably one of the biggest, biggest things that they would need to have before they start ads. And those numbers would be from prior ad campaigns with Facebook or Google Analytics? So those, where would you get yeah, numbers? those numbers would be on the back end of wherever their funnel lives. If they're using something like ClickFunnels or high level, you know, where they're, they're running traffic probably from organic posting and selling their thing. So what do those numbers look like? How many have you sold? Like, does your product have any proof that it works or that it will sell that people want to buy it, right? So if you if you've decided you want to sell widgets and you go post on social media that you're now selling widgets and you get a thousand people that are like, heck yeah, I need those widgets, then yep, you are probably ready for Facebook ads. Whereas if you put it out there and you get crickets, Facebook ads aren't going to help that. <laughs> so is there a percentage or, or a number that you would need to say, hey, listen, this is something that's going to, that I want to scale? It basically, if you, I would say, even if you've sold a hundred of something, you've got proof that your product is ready to sell, that your product is selling. So if you've sold a hundred, it is selling and people are interested. If you have a sales page that you're sending traffic to and it's converting at 2% or higher, that's also a really great stat to know that this is ready for more traffic. Well, th th that's really, really good information. And that'll all be in your, in what, in your Facebook ads account? Is that where you find that info? So again, still on the back end of wherever your funnel lives, wherever you're selling your product, it should tell you like how many people land on the page versus how many people are buying. And, you know, two, a 2% conversion rate is, is an industry standard for, for a sales page. So we have Which sounds a, really low. <laughs> yeah, not really, because direct mail was 1% back in the day. So we only have about yeah. a, close to a minute left. And people say, how do you know what price to sell your product at? Mm. So that's a longer than one minute answer. But honestly, it's something, <laughs> I always like to put something that you can pressure. test, right? So if you're selling a widget and the result of the widget is, is a financial outcome of, you know, making a thousand dollars, then you should at least be able to sell your widget for, you know, $500, right? Cause then they're, if they are investing $500 to buy your widget and they can make a thousand dollars after they buy your widget, then that's a really good ROI for them. So. That's one example, but I could talk about that for a long time. I don't know that I can give a short answer. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll save your answer for another time because the show is pretty much over at this point. We're very grateful to have you on. There's a lot more that we go over. Maybe we'll have another show in the next month or two, depending on your schedule and our schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great to have you on. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 in 98.1 FM. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.